This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line, but rarely do successful people get from point A to point B taking the most direct route. Host Jeffrey Klein speaks to a diverse mix of people to explore their story of success and the dots connected along the way. Thank you for listening. Here's your host, Jeffrey. So it begins an awesome episode with beatboxing champ Kayla Milady, who shares beatboxing riffs and her story from wanting to be an astronaut to how music was a gift in challenging times to her love of performing and eventually finding her groove with beatboxing and beat rhyming. From street performing to performing in other countries like Jordan, Kayla expresses her gratitude for all the music, all the experiences, and even for smelly buses. Kaylee is using her artistry to teach others with a vision to have a beatboxing program in every school across the country. This is a fun episode. Enjoy. My guest is Kayla Mulady, a two-time world beatbox champion, an American vice beatbox champion, a three-time loop station champion, and a three-time beat rhyme champion. Kayla performs all over the world infusing beatboxing, singing, and theater to push the boundaries of creativity and show just what the human instrument is capable of. Her educational work with her partner and national beatbox champ, Mark Martin, focused on using beatbox as a tool for confidence building, leadership skills, and resilience. They are currently studying the connection between beatboxing and speech therapy and how it can help people accomplish their speech goals. Welcome, Kayla. What's up, my friend? Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, I'm a big fan of beatbox. Um, I am a very poor beatboxer, but I'm good compared to anyone who can't beatbox. Uh, that's what I guess. You're you say that around me, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> what, what's that? We're going to teach you some beatboxing today. Ah, all right. I'm that's open for that. Um, but where I'd like to begin is I like to start at the beginning. So where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? Um, right out, I came right out my home. I was born in place. Um, my dad worked multiple jobs, different odds and ends. And my mom works at a stock room at this company. So my mom's pretty badass. She's an independent lady always lifting things, things around the house, and then could sew your dress. So she was a great role model growing up. So when you were younger, as a, as like a young kid, um, did you have thoughts about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, but it was, my thoughts were astronaut my whole life. I really thought I was going to be an astronaut, and we were kind of joking around about math before we started. But then as I started getting older and realizing that math was just not my forte, uh, I kind of realized that that was not going to be an option for me. Um, then when I was kind of more like high school age, I guess, I knew I was to be a performer. I was always like the class clown in school, but I thought I was going to go more improv comedy, like welcome to Saturday Night Live, like that type of route. And then somewhere in the middle, I just got, I went down this rabbit hole of beatbox and sound making and haven't turned back since. You mentioned um, that your mom was a role model. Is there anyone else when you're growing up that you looked up to as a role model in musically? Mm, musically, uh, yeah, so much. I mean, for me, music was like my safe haven. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young and it definitely got a little 
little negative energy around. So for me, my escape was just playing guitar. My uncle Vince, actually, he got me my first guitar. He let me use his and would sit with me like all once and taught me all these chords. And then that was it. I was just hooked every single day. And, um, you know, when it came to beatboxing, it was just something I did for fun. It was definitely never, not something I thought if you would have told me, you know, 10 years ago that I would grow up to be a beatboxer, I would laughed my way down the hallway and called you crazy. So this is definitely where I expected to be, but music is just, I've always been attracted to music. I was the kind of kid where my mom would come home from work and I would get in trouble because pots and pans would be on the kitchen floor and I would turn it into a drum set or I would make like guitars with rubber bands and tissue boxes. And uh, my mom was a really good support in that. She, my whole life, like I actually found like a Christmas, like a letter to Santa from when I was like five or six and every single thing, except for like the Rugrats movie, every single thing was just musical instruments. And my mom did her, her best, you know? At one point, she worked like three jobs, but she did her best where if I wanted a drum set, she would go to a garage sale and she would find like one piece from one place and build me like a Frankenstein set. And uh, then when I got older and we re- re- redid our house, she like soundproofed my room because they're like when I had drums and stuff. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to her a few days ago and I was you know, mom, the only musical instrument that you really stopped me from pursuing was uh, in sixth grade. My music teacher played this spoons video, like how to spoons. And I went on a spoons kick, my friend. Like, let me tell you, I had spoons everywhere in school, around the house, in the bathroom, out back. And one day I was just spooned up, going crazy, working on my prize solo. And my mom just walked to me, ripped the spoon out of my hands, opened up the door, threw them in. And she said, enough, you're not doing this anymore. We're done here. And then that was the end of my spoon career. Who knows? I could have had a Grammy by now and some right with spoons Appalachian band or something, but I guess that was not the path for me. But other than the spoons, um, yeah, my family and my mom especially was very supportive, and my stepdad were very supportive of me playing instruments and you know creative. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story, and then I have a question about story. So I took piano when I was I don't know eight or nine or ten, and I my teacher unfortunately was not a good fit. Um, I never really learned how to read music and he was kind of cheating by writing in the notes Mm -hmm. and I I didn't feel like I was really, I had had a pretty good year, but I wasn't progressing. And so I said to my dad, I I don't want to do this anymore. And my dad said, okay, think about it overnight and then we'll talk about it. And the next day he came in and my dad's a judge and he came in with a, a contract that said, if I quit the piano, I will never hold it against him. (laughs) Um, and I signed it happily. And then I, I told him years later that um, because I was a minor, I went to law school and I said, actually, dad, you know, that contract's unenforceable because I was a minor. And so it doesn't count. So I do hold Aww. it against you for not getting me a better. Cause my dad is a, my dad's a jazz drummer and has been a, for 50 plus years. So I've been around music. Um, that's not his job, but mm-hmm. he's played and, and loves it. And um but you know, jokes. the gavel at the end, he's like, Ba-dum, like he has a beat yeah. head. Case closed. He, he might be. He <laughs> well, he wasn't allowed to practice too much in, in the house because um, my stepmother was not a huge fan of the drums. So he played a lot on the drum pad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been the beneficiary of, of his playing and gigs for my whole life. And I, and I still, he still plays. He's 80 and he plays about once a month at this um, market in Philadelphia. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So that, that was my little story to ask you. Uh, so is there anyone when you're growing up, I'm, I'm obsessed with story. So is there anyone who is kind of in your, in your world that was a really good storyteller? Mm. 
Um, actually, yeah, my babysitter growing up, she is the woman who made me like a little bit of the weird wackadoo I am today. She just like always told weird stories and she always, um, you know, like would make up little songs and she was really fun. And I think, you know, again, like, you know, sometimes gifts come from darkness. And for me, like when I was young, it was definitely like a scene of going through what was happening with my family. So the way that I coped through that was definitely like telling stories. And I always wanted to make other people happy. And I wanted to basically like, I kind of call it now, like becoming a lighthouse. Like I felt like it was a lot of darkness. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to be the light in this situation. So I would just make up stories all the time. I mean, I don't know. I joke with my brother now who has three kids. I'm like, you're definitely able to tune out these kids because of me. They would be on the computer and I'd be making up songs like Sandler, Tenacious D behind them all the time. And, you know, for my cousins, I would take them into the woods and I would be like, okay, guys, I'm going to tell you a story. But the only rule is you can't interrupt me the whole story. And then I would go on for like two hours of the story. But yeah, it was definitely just a way of, I think, like, disassociating a bit from what was um happening and you know that's what made me the performer i am and absolutely that's what's inspired my work uh with youth around the world you know making sure that have arts and education and have an outlet because if i didn't have acting and music and this creative side um my childhood and dealing with how i dealt with things would have been very different i'd be a very different person now Musical expression is a beautiful way to engage with something other than what you might be needing to engage with. Yeah, I was definitely like, for me, you know, I was like class clown. You wouldn't know that I was dealing with, with so much. But then I would go into my drama class. I had an amazing teacher, Miss Nesky. And I would have this drama class where we do improv a lot. And I would just improvise this scene, right, about someone who was sad or what they were dealing with. But it was just me I didn't let people know what was happening, but I, that was like, oh my God, it was the biggest release for me because I would go and just improvise, right? Become this person, pretend that it was somebody else or we would have to find monologues, but I would just write my own monologue and the monologue would be how I'm feeling or what I was dealing with. So I was able to like tell people this thing in a really safe way that didn't make me feel so vulnerable, but still like release what was coming, was dealing with or coming out with. You're lucky. Yeah, you, know, you found that outlet. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think that is my passion in life now. You know, we could talk about the boxing um, and kind of my journey through that. But my passion now is like working with schools and working with kids because, you know, especially now you look at the state of our country, like the first getting slashed in schools is arts and musical enrichment, any type of enrichment thing, right? And that's really the only classes where kids get to learn about themselves. And all these other classes that you go to, you know, of course, math is in science and history. These things are all extremely important. Nobody is denying that. But in those classes, you're learning about equations, you're learning about um, people in history, you're learning about side of yourself. And even in like, if you go to your first day of an art class in kindergarten, and it's day one, you know, when the teacher is like, okay, kids, let's, everyone has a big piece of white paper in front of them, and you have a big box of crayons, and I want you to take any color in that crayon box, okay, take your favorite one, and I just want you to fill that whole sheet in, right, and you take, oh, blue, blue is my favorite, and I color it all in, and then she's like, okay, kids, stop, we're done, everyone pick up your sheet and show the rest of the class, and when you do that, you're like, oh, mine's blue, but Kim's over there, she's pink, and Tyrone, oh my God, Tyrone chose orange. And Jim is green and Sasha is purple. Well, we all have different colors and we're allowed to have different opinions. Like even on day one, that's, 
it's teaching you about yourself and what you like and asking you questions about how you want it to sound. And I just think that's so, so important always, especially nowadays for kids, there's a lot going on. They see a lot with the internet. So they need a space to uh, release that. And, you know, that's why I love beatboxing too, because it's free and you can do it at any time. It doesn't cost you anything. doesn't cost your family anything. doesn't cost the school anything. You can give a hundred kids a trumpet by just showing them to make a small hole on the side of their mouth and say, do. And then you could still teach them like flight of the bumblebees, right? So yeah, I think beatboxing is a wonderful gift that can really help in that expression and that um, education space as well. I love it. I want to go to probably a less creative space, pending. What was your first paying job? My first paying job. Hmm. Really my first like, pay oh, my first paying job ever. Babysitting. Totally yeah. babysitting. I come from a huge Irish family and oh my God, it's just like kids galore. You, there, there's always kids coming out. So I kind of had a never ending stream of clients, you know, that trusted me. So yeah, babysitting was a huge thing. Uh, and that's really kind of where I got my work with other people and working with kids and my facilitation chops at too. And so when did you decide, you know, you were kind of thinking theater and you're doing drama and the kind of improv, when did yeah. like music become you like, Oh wait, no, this is what I want to pursue and beatboxing's my avenue. I literally fell into it. So I, I remember when I was young, my mom being like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And this was around high school. And I was like, I definitely want to do, I thought like volunteering work, or I was like, I want to do like acting and theater and comedy. She's like, you don't want to do music? And I was like, no, nah, mom, that's just for me. That's like what I do for my thing, you know? Um, and so when I was like just out of high school, um, I actually went to school to be a teacher for a little bit. And then just realized like, the structure like when things are like too structured like that's not for me and I didn't really vibe with how people were telling me to like teach and there was a lot of red tape and seeing what my future would be in that way um so I dropped out of college and I was like mm, not for me I'm good I know I want to perform I felt it in my gut so I started doing a lot of improv classes in New York City you know I was going to the pit I was doing a lot like these sh like comedy shows and um then one day I just woke up and I had this like feeling in my body that I wanted to be in like peak physical shape like as in shape as one can be that's what I wanted to do so me and my friends we started like you know, I grew up on Long Island, so there's the beach and everything. We would do like hike through the woods and then like swim in the sound for a long time. And then like, I was just like holding my breath like two times a day just to see like what would happen. And uh, one of these places where we were hiking, there are these dunes that went like really, you know, down into the sand. And it was kind of fun. You would kind of slide down them where you kind of jump and then slide down them, um, which wasn't very good for nature, but it was fun when you're 19. And uh I got like a little cocky one day and there was this cliff and it wasn't that big. Like when I looked, I was like, mm, I looked down. I'm like, okay, maybe it's like, I don't know, 20 feet or something, whatever. It's not that bad. You jump off the cliff, then you slide down the dune. And my best friend was going to go before me. And she was like, I don't know. It's like a little sketch. And I was like, all right, I'll go first and I'll let you know how it goes. And then you can do exactly what I did. So I go and I run and I jump off and again, try to be an astronaut math, maybe physics, not really my thing. It turns out I forgot that when you're running and jumping off something, Momentum. it's not, you're not going to land 
in the place right below it, right? So I end up, I end up like flinging off this thing and it becomes like one of those cartoon commercials where the person's falling and then you see the clouds and then they're in a different position like in a different and where I landed was like a, maybe a little bit more than like a story or something and the, the the dune was like a hill a hill like 10 feet of flat part and then back to the uh, hill and guess where I landed I like just had enough time in the air to be like I don't know if I should still be in the air like at first it was like woo, and then I was like why am I still falling and then when I landed it kind of sounded like you know those old like elastic pickle commercials where it's like <laughs> crunch into a elastic like that's what my back did and um I broke my back so when after I broke my back I basically it was pretty hard to do acting in the city I had to wear a back brace for a couple of months and um unless I was like a robot on stage or something or like a cactus it was pretty difficult <laughs> so yeah exactly I was the tree number four I did a great job so um it made it a little difficult but I just happened to maybe like a couple of months before this um meet this guy his name is Jay Flo in Long Island and I was always beatboxing my whole life it was just something I did um you know I would beatbox on like the back of the bus or at the lunch table and I remember in like fifth grade I was doing it and this kid James who I had a crush on was like oh you're beatboxing I beatbox too and then I was like you want to beatbox together and then that would be like our thing that we did um and you know I had a crush on him so it was my way in beatboxing it didn't didn't help nothing happened but I tried and that's all that matters you're um, regretting it now I, yeah you know, hey you know who knows you had your chance James you missed Hello. out so I always just did this thing and it was definitely like after high school too, we would go to parties and my friends would be like, they would just like make me dance for them whenever they wanted to. Like we would go into this space and they would be like, do you want to see what this girl could do immediately? And then like push a button and they'd literally be like, boop on my nose. And then I would like, all right. And I would like beatbox for people. And then one day I was at this um, like space and my friends were like, all right, guys, you want to see what this girl could do? And I was like, you know what? No. I, I'm not just going to beatbox when you want me to. I have free will. I'm a human being. I'm from here. I have freedoms. I won't do this. So I like basically told them I wasn't going to do it. And they were trying to push me the whole night. And then so I was out back of this party. My friends wouldn't stop. Like they just wouldn't shut up basically. So I was like, oh my God, fine. All right. Are you happy now? And then like the voice of God, this person from the other side of the party was like, Ooh, just beatbox, box, box. And I turned over and everyone in the backyard literally parted like the Red Sea, like, and this guy comes up to me and he's like, do it again. And I was like, what? He's like, beatbox again. And I was like, uh, all right. And he was like, oh my God, it was crazy. And he happened to be like the best beatboxer in America. And um, I met him and then he introduced me to this beatboxing community, which I didn't know existed in New York City. And he, I went to this, it was called the Human Beatbox Festival um, that was curated by my soon to be mentor, Kid Lucky. And uh, he took me to these events. And then when I really met Kid was when I like really got in the rabbit hole. After I broke my back, he invited me into the city. And this was right after I like dropped out of college and my family was not very happy with me at all. They were very not happy with me, I'll say, because um, I was definitely like the first person in my family to not choose that route. And uh, 
So I went to the city to just hang out with him after this amazing festival where it was three days of me hanging out with beatboxers and seeing all these people with different sounds and like meeting my tribe. Like I went to this space where if I went, <laughs> nobody like looked at me funny. They were like, oh, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you speak the same language I do. This is amazing. Um, so I went to go hang out with Kid and the plan was, I'm going to come over, we'll go to his apartment real quick, and then we're going to go street performing for the day. And then when I went there, we ended up sitting for like, I think like 10 hours. Like I was there all day and we did not leave his apartment. And, you know, I was just telling him about what my plan was. And I was like, I have this feeling in my really like, my gut is telling me that I should be a performer and like, this is what I wanted to do. And I was telling him how I dropped out of college. And he was like the first person that was like, yeah, mm-hmm. That was, that was a great idea. You shouldn't have done that thing if you didn't want to do it. And all my friends were like, you're crazy. You know, I'm like 19 or 20 at this point. My family's mad at me. They're like, what are you going to do with your life? And he was the first person to just be like, no, that was what you should have done. Like, that's a good idea. Like, you have to go with your gut and you have to try things. And then, you know, we're talking about music and performing and all this stuff. And I told him, you know, man, like, whatever. If this doesn't work out, I will just go back to college. My plan B will be that I'll go back to college. and I'll just become a teacher like that. Whatever. That's my, that's my plan B. And he like put his fist on the table, like, no. And I was like, what? And he's like, me, I don't have a plan B. And I was like, what? And he's like, I don't have a plan B because I'll never let plan A fail. This is my life. And I want to make performing is my life. And I will never, I don't care what obstacle comes, plan A will not die. There could be plan A 2.0, plan A 3.0, plan A 4.0, but I will never go to plan B. That is not an option for me. And honestly, like that advice probably changed my whole life. And I think if I didn't hear that for him, when things got pretty difficult for me, or, you know, when at one point I was like selling gear to make sure that I had enough money to be in my apartment or whatever. Um, I don't know. Like maybe I would have just been like, all right, maybe I'll just be a teacher. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll just do this. But working with kid, I literally like with a back brace on would go to the city and I would, you know, it cost maybe like 30 bucks a day to go there and back. I would make enough money street performing with him uh, to make sure that I could go back and then come back to the city the next day. And I just did it all the time. And what was cool was what I really got interested in with Kid was he did something called beat rhyming, right? The three-time beat rhyming champion. So beat rhyming is when you sing and beatbox at the same time or, you know, add words to your beatboxing. I don't know if you've ever heard of Razel, but he does the right? So it's when you talk and beatbox or sing and beatbox at the same time. And the beatboxing actually, wasn't hard enough. Now, <laughs> that's how I look at it. Yeah, why not? Put another ball in there. Exactly. Let's juggle. Let's put it on fire while we're juggling it now, right? So, um, yeah, so he basically showed me this thing, beat rhyming, and I actually had a terrible time. Like, I had this traumatizing audition in sixth grade where um, I went in for show choir, and I was ready, man. Let me tell you, I was practicing up and down the wall. I was doing Colors of the Wind by Pocahontas. I did it for my dog. I did it on the trampoline. My neighbors all heard it. I was ready to rock and roll. And then when I went in... Um, I was like right up until the moment I was like, I got this. I felt like Beyonce, like I was going to own the stage. And then as soon as the piano came in, I looked out and my friend Kristen, she was just looking at me like so supportive, like thumbs up, like go Kayla. And for some reason that triggered it. And I just completely froze and my arms started shaking and like she started playing and my voice sounded like a prepubescent boy. It was like, 
can you see the colors? Like words were not coming out. And then after that moment for like the next 10 years, I just did not sing in front of people. I lip sank. I was actually in like show, uh, chorus in 12th grade and everyone knew I was lip syncing. Like I was not singing. The teacher knew it. It was okay. They were cool with it. Um, so when he told me about beat rhyming, I really wanted to learn it because I was like, oh, if I can talk and beatbox, then I can incorporate beatbox together, right? Then I can, I can be an actor and keep the music going while I'm still making the play happen or whatever the scene is happening. Um, but he didn't do that. He only did like real hip hop, rapping, singing. It was all about that. So if I wanted to learn from him, I had to go down that rabbit hole. So that was probably the most nerve wracking times of my life was him putting me on a street corner in New York City and him being like, he's very, you know, he's a very tough guy, he's a big mm -hmm. sweetheart. But like when it came to his like teaching style, it's very like you do this and that's what you do. And that, that's what's going to get you through this. It's like tough love approach. So he would basically have this crazy powered amp and he'd be like, all right, all right. I don't care about your beatboxing. We all know you're good at beatboxing. Where's your words? Where's your story? I'm going to go and I can hear you. I'm going over there. I'm going to go get lunch and you better do words. So I'd be there on the street corner by myself. All these people don't want you there. It's so freaking hot. It's like humid as hell. All these people are just like, what is this girl doing in the middle of the street? And I'm sitting there like, uh, hi. Oh God. It's hot outside. Okay yeah like really just struggling to find my words and find like my meaning of what well what are you gonna say like i think beatboxing is not scary because you can hide behind you can hide behind all the sounds but as soon as you use your voice it's like well what are you gonna say now what's your message what do you what are you gonna tell the people of the streets what is something that you're gonna connect to these people with um so that was super scary for me and i did that I probably worked with him for like three, at least three years. And we would just go street performing every show possible. Um, every style of show was probably the best college experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I was just with like Professor Lucky all day. And he knew me what it's like to be an actual performer in New York City. And like we did this tour on the West Coast where when I was really young, I would wake up and some days I would have like $3.33 between the two of us. And we had to go get breakfast and then we would form for all of the money and what was teach me like, oh, I have this thing where let's say worst the worst, right? I can always go outside with my full being and a sound system and make money. And that is gonna be, that's how I can get by. If that's, if I'm in a real emergency where I need to get cash, like this is my option. This is my backup plan. Um, so I feel like that was like the best learning What's the backup plan? It was a version of your plan A. It's like, exactly. Like, that's like in case of pull parachute and just go outside and beatbox right. for people. Go on a subway and beatbox for people and boom, you can make money. So it was really great for me as like a young, like, you know, I was like only like 20 at that time. And to be having those lessons and having that confidence and doing the really scary stuff, um, it helped set me up for now because like, you know, I'm a firm believer if you get comfortable doing the uncomfortable, you're going to be ready for anything. And, you know, on street corners, people don't want you there. On the subway, people don't want you there. Now, if I go to a show paid money to see me, I'm like, what do I have to be nervous about? Great. They want to be here. I'm not like ruining their afternoon lunch. Uh, so it's good. So you've been doing this now for a while. And I'm curious, like if you looked at yourself from high school and you think about what's the most surprising place you found yourself, 
whether it was a location or engaging with a certain person, where are some of you like, I can't believe I ended up and did this or ended up there? I mean, every place I've traveled, I've got to see the whole world now because, and it's because of beatboxing or teaching beatboxing. Um, I think, you know, recently I just did this program called Next Level, which was a music ambassador program where me and my partner, who's also, you know, Mark, he's also a beatboxer. We got to go to Jordan and we worked with the Jordanian hip hop community and created this amazing like hip hop theatrical show with the whole community there. And that was probably the coolest experience of my whole life. I was in a place where I was like, this is different. Um, like culture shock. I've never seen anything like that before. It was so beautiful. The people, the music, the food, everything. And I just learned so much because there they really struggle with, you know, some places like music is not really like holy to people, right? You're really supposed to listen to the Quran. So when they were there, they really struggle with, you know, being a performer, trying to uh, be musicians. And then hip hop on top of it is really not considered good there because what they see is like the American commercials of guns and monies and girls and dripping and honey and all this stuff. And they don't see like the hip hop community, like pop really is. Um, so, you know, them beatboxing there, this kid told me that he got kicked out of school for a year because he beatboxed in school. And like moments like that where you're like, I'm sorry, what? And like that the cops, if they're just outside, like the cops come on them and they don't have a place there they can they don't have like equipment or they didn't have like a place, a safe place where they could go and just do this thing that I take for granted so much. And, you know, I think street performing, that was the coolest lesson that I learned when I was in Portland. Um, you know, sometimes when you're street performing, especially people who are like street vendors or food vendors, sometimes they'll be like, hey, here's some food. Great job. That was really cool. Because, you know, you just sat there on a corner for four hours and you're giving them music. Um, but one time I went, I was in Portland and it was really rainy, of course, the whole time, but I had to make money. So I'm outside in the rain. Nobody's coming because it's raining outside in Portland, but whatever. And I was by these food trucks and this woman in a food truck, when I was done, she was like, Psst, hey, come here. And I was like, what the? And she was like, Psst, Psst. and she had this literally like plates of food for me. And I was like, I can't take this. Like, no, 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 please, please, please. Um, but she just like held my hand and um, she was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I don't, I'm not exactly sure where she was from, but she was from, you know, a different place. And I couldn't really figure out like what she, why she was thanking me, why she was being like so serious and all this stuff. And then I kind of realized, like, I kind of stepped outside of myself and I was like, whoa, I am a woman on a street corner just screaming into the abyss. Like I'm just making, I'm just bringing attention to myself. I'm just making literally random noises with this microphone and the speaker. And this is not okay in some countries. Like this is not something that you can do. And here I am. And I, you know, that day was a day where I was like, didn't really make money and it's raining on me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like across the country for the first time. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And then I'm like, what the hell? Like, wow. Like to, to, to take what I do, like to take street performing with that stride and being like, wow, I have the freedom here that I've created my life doing this thing and I'm allowed to do this. This is legal here. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get thrown in jail. So when you travel and you see, you know, different sides of that and what music means in different countries and how people, do people even have an option? Do they have the resources to make music? Um, you know, that probably is the moments where I'm like, wow, this is what I'm doing. Like, I can't believe that I'm doing this. Even if it is that I'm taking a smelly bus across the country when I was younger, like everywhere I went was like a really long smelly bus ride and I would get there and I wouldn't have money and all that. Like, 
I, it taught me to be, just be grateful for that, to be grateful that I have this ability to be safe and take a bus across the country. And that in our country, everywhere you go, you can get off a bus, even after a 24 hour bus ride and get off and people speak English, you know, or you can converse with people, you can ask somebody for food. So it gave me so much to be grateful for. And I think it was those moments where I was like, wow, I'm doing this. I'm in Sri Lanka beatboxing. I'm in Jordan beatboxing. I'm in Germany. Like what, how is it, how did this thing get me here? I want to revisit something you talked about when you first started doing the beat rhyming. Um, Mm -hmm. And you you talked about the need to kind of tell your message, tell your story. Again, I'm obsessed with story. Um, And you had to learn because as you started to integrate kind of words with the beatboxing, Mm -hmm. do you think that um, telling stories is something that can be learned or either you have it in you or you don't? Anything can be learned. Anything. I think that, you know, that is one of my qualms with the education system in our country. I think it gives us a very fixed mindset, right? Where like, it's not teaching us that anything is possible. We get graded by tests. So if you're not good at math, you feel like garbage. And if you have one bad math test, then you tell yourself like me, right? I have a very fixed mindset when it comes around math because of the whole thing of like being an astronaut. Now I tell myself when a math problem comes up, I'm like, I'm just not good at it. Can you, can someone else do this? Instead of being like, if I practice this thing, I'll get better. I didn't, when I first started beatboxing, I wasn't able to go like, (laughs) when I first started, it was very simple, right? Like anything that you put your mind to and your focus to, um, you're going to grow from. I mean, my best friend, one of my best friends in the whole world, his name is Roy Matson. Matson, he is incredible. And the reason why we really became friends was he started this vlog in New York City where like he was showing the progression of like, him drumming, him skateboarding, and him making beats. And that was like three years ago. And now, dude, every time I talk to him, I'm like, man, I'm so proud of you. Like the beats that he's making, the music that he's making, his rapping, like rapping to him in the beginning was so difficult. And now he's just spinning bars over all these beats. And, you know, I think with storytelling as well, anything you practice, just start with once upon a time, boom, and see what happens, see where it goes. I like that. I like to start with once upon a time. Right. Kayla, what inspires you? You mentioned earlier about inspiration with the youth, but what would you say inspires you? I think now, especially with, you know, where we're at, what's happening, everyone's stuck at home is just like the little things, like appreciating that this is a lifestyle that I can have. Um, Talking to people inspires me, right? Because every person that you meet, uh, you can either learn something to do or not to do right there's a life lesson from everybody um and talk about stories like the best way you can come become a storyteller is just to tell your authentic story because your story is a one-of-one story even if you have a twin and you guys grew up in the same house there's gonna be something that happened to you that did not happen to your twin um i have so i feel like i understand that there you go right so like i think the best way is to just be yourself to to be authentic and i think that things like that, people that are very authentic and share their stories and are vulnerable really inspire me. And it keeps me telling my story and being vulnerable. And for just the purpose of who knows, maybe there's somebody in a similar situation and this could help them get through that. You know, like we can all be guides for each other and give each other life lessons. And we can all be, you know, the leaders of the world that we want to see when we are more authentic with the world that we want to live in what kind of world do we want to see what kind of person do you want to be i mean 
I, you know, you talked about your music teacher. For me, if you gave me a music teacher when I was, or like if I had a guitar teacher or, you know, my uncle helped me, but he was very cool about it. It was very calm, casual. We would play the Beatles song. If you put me in a structured music teacher that was like, you have homework, I'd be like, eh, excuse me, I'm out. Like, I did not like anything that was telling me what to do or like a structure or anything. And, you know, now that's something that I wish I, you know, kind of like your dad, like I kind of wish I had it, but to not have that structure and just to be yourself and find what you want and to form that structure. I think what really helped me and with my discipline as I got older was the quote, like, we don't find ourselves, we create ourselves. And I think for me, when I was younger, I was waiting to just become this version of myself that I was hoping to be like, oh, if I just keep doing this, then that will be there. This option of who I want to be will come forward and I will blossom like Julia Roberts and eat, pray, love. Right. But that's not what happens. And I kind of realized that. And I really had to work on my discipline, my, you know, self-control, especially as a musician and and, an artist in this day and age, like you don't have necessarily like the manager system that you used to have before. Like now, if you want to be an artist, you really need to learn like how to video edit yourself, how to promote yourself, how to speak in front of a client, how to make a deal, how to, you know, it's great when you can get an agent to help you, but in the beginning, you're not going to start with an agent. So you really have to learn these skills. And it's important too, if like you're going to become an artist, you also want to learn these skills because if you're going to have a manager or agent at some point, you have to know if they're screwing you over or not. You have to know if that person's right for you, if they're doing the actual work. So, um, you know, I think now that is kind of something that really inspires me is that there's a person that I really wish to become and want to be. And I work on it a little bit every day. And I like to surround myself with like-minded people who will inspire me to become that person and will push me to be the best version of myself. I think that's amazing. And, and what I'm curious about, you, these are things you've learned kind of along the way. So if someone's kind of coming up and I, I, I ask the question, so what piece of advice would you have given to yourself as your 21 year old self or your, you know, Starting out, what do you wish you had known or what piece of advice you think would be helpful for someone who hasn't lived all those experiences yet? Yeah, um, for me, I think the thing that I would kind of try to shake myself into looking back at like 20-year-old Kayla is to not be such a perfectionist. I think there was a lot of music and a lot of things that I didn't put out because I would record something and like literally one freaking note would be off. And then, you know, I had music on a computer for years that I was working on and I also, oh, and back up your hard drive. That's my other thing. (laughs) Oh my God. I had so much music and I was kind of like, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like whatever I imagined this false reality of this thing to be, where I was just making the music by myself in my home, um, that I didn't put it out and then I lost it all because I didn't back up my hard drive. And now there's music where like, I wish I had that because if I wasn't so afraid to put it out then, or I wasn't trying to tweak it right, then I would have these like mementos of this music that I made at this time where I meant it. You know what I mean? Like I would have these little like musical tattoos where I could go back and listen to like, what was this like sad song that this 20 year old girl that just got heartbroken made, you know, like that would be really fun to have those. So I think just meeting yourself where you're at and putting that out, don't be afraid to put yourself out. Don't, wait to put yourself out there because you're waiting for this perfect version of you, you know, put it out. People will like it. There's a concept that I share with people called imperfect action. You, yeah. you need to take action. And so if you wait for perfection, it's never going to happen. So take a bunch of imperfect action and that will move you forward. Oh, I love it. So cool. What do you think's next for beatboxing? 
as an industry, as a community? What are the yeah, trends so that are happening? Beatboxing, you know, it kind of blew up in the 80s mm-hmm. and then it went underground. It went really underground. Um, you know, beatboxing is actually bigger in other countries than it is in the U.S. because I think it's the U.S. still has this branding issue where it's still like, you know, the Fat Boys or Dougie Fresh or something that kind of like, a, oh, yeah, people still think that that's kind of what beatboxing is. And they have no idea. Like, holy crap. If you go to these beatboxing events, people are shaking their roofs with their mouths. Like, they are making sounds where even me as a beatboxer who knows how to do sounds, I'm like, how the hell are they doing that sound? Like, I can't figure out some of these beatboxer sounds. And I think especially nowadays because of electronic music, right? It it was this thing where like in the 80s and the 90s, the rock star, like the band, they were the front people and the DJ were in the back, right? The DJ was kind of like, whatever. And now the DJ is the new rock star. Like, oh, this is awesome. They're the ones in front of thousands of thousands of people in a crowd. And I feel like the beatboxer is in the back because what the beatboxer solves is the problem of the dj because people are like oh djs well they're not doing anything they're just pushing buttons up there it's just one person on the stage it's not fun to see right but with beatboxers especially if you have multiple beatboxers right there's there's groups where there's i used to be in a group where there's five of us so each person had their own part mm-hmm. right um mark martin and i we have a group called Lightship, and we it's like a vocal dj and he can do the lows i can sing we could scratch on top of it so you know with beatboxing if someone goes like <laughs> sounds okay over you know just like listening to it acoustic. But if you have a microphone and a good sound mm-hmm. system, I'm telling you your eyeballs shake and the roof shakes and you're making people dance and you're becoming this DJ and you're doing sounds that people can't imagine. And I think the cool thing about it is it inspires people to be more than themselves or, or like realize their full potential. Because with beatboxers, these sounds and the roof shaking is coming from someone's face hole. Like what? This is from a human being that it's going like, what? What? That's all that fast stuff. Like, this is not just me. I'm not an alien. Because that's what I thought. Before I met JFlow, I was doing like, like little beatboxing. And then when I saw him, he was like, like doing all these really crazy electronic sounds where I was like, uh, what? And when I saw him live and like in front of me doing it, I was like, oh, I kind of see where it's happening. Like, it's kind of resonating more from your nose. Oh, this is more down deep in your throat. So I think what's cool about beatboxers is like, they could put on the same show as like a Skrillex or like any Diplo, like any big DJ, any big band, right? That there is, but it inspires people because then they're like, it gives the people the chance to be like, oh, I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't need any gear. Like we're born with this instrument that we don't really know how to use. And we're much greater than we, I think, are taught to believe that we are. So I think beatboxing is amazing and it's really going to, it's about to pop off. It's getting more and more like, especially when YouTube came about, YouTube was like the biggest push for beatboxing um, because it connected beatboxers all over the world and it got to show more people what beatboxing is. So, you know, beatboxing is really blowing up now. And I expect that, you know, before it was like a festival will be like, Oh, well we have a beatboxer already, you know, but it's like, yeah, but you have 400 DJs performing this week. (laughs) So like, what's the difference? Like, me and another, like, my friend Honeycomb, uh, us and Honeycomb last year were at Electric Forest, and it was, like, two beatboxers. Whoa! But our group and his group are literally completely different music. It's just, like, two different bands or two different DJs are going to have different styles. So beatboxers are just, like, vocal DJs, and, um, you know, I think sharing that is really cool. And I think also in the world of education, beatboxing is going to be extremely beneficial. Like I said earlier, um, you know, I've been a teaching artist for years, and now my partner and I, we created a 
our new education wing called the Academy of Noise. And what we find is, again, beatboxing solves a problem that these schools don't have a budget. They don't have, I, man, in New York City, it broke my heart. I would teach at schools where these kids had no music, uh, any enrichment classes or arts enrichment classes. So I would work with a group of like 20 kids after school. And that was the 20 kids out of like 500 kids that got any sort of expressive outlet. So the reason how I pitched all these schools was, listen, you pay me, I come in and I do the whole thing. Every kid goes home with an instrument. Their families don't have to buy anything. They're all going to have a drum set. They're all going to have a trumpet. They're all going to have a bass guitar. It's not going to cost you anything. Like, that's it. All you have to pay for is the teaching artist to come in and work for the hour with your students. Um, you know, I think with even the speech therapy aspect, right? If you're beatboxing, you're just talking, but articulating the letters of your speech, right? If I go, what I'm saying is P, P, K, T, P, K, T, K, right? The bass drum is the P. Hi-hat is a T. The snare drum is the K. So especially with, you know, speech therapy, I found it with my own cousin when I was babysitting my first job. Um, he was nonverbal and uh, he suffered from apraxia for a while and he would not want to sit with his speech tutor after school um, and he would just like shut down or not want to work with her um, so we would end up like beatboxing the words so instead of saying you know baseball when the cue card came up we'd say baseball baseball bat baseball right or you know beatboxing and then we realized that he was actually practicing beatboxing when she wasn't around um, so it's just a tool, right? Like it's just ways to make things fun. I think that that is what everybody is missing. You know, even adults, we get, when we get older, we're afraid to use our voice in a way that isn't just carrying information to somebody, right? Like, and I think the adults, when I work with them or get more nervous than the kids do, the kids are all for it. And they're like, yeah, let's go. I get to make noises. Yeah. So, but the adults are like, I'm like, okay, everybody, now we're just going to make a really loud, weird noise. And people are like, oh, I can't. And I'm like, what do you mean that I can't do that? And it's very interesting to invite adults into a space where it's like, no, this is a space, like just make a noise, make any noise. It doesn't have to be a perfect noise. It doesn't have to be any, there's no right or wrong way to make a noise, right? So I think getting people just expressing themselves and more confident with their voice and finding the power of their voice, I think it's extremely important, you know, for people to share their message for, you know, the young women, I love doing workshops with young women because it's a lot easier to, after you've learned how to go, you know, doing something that's strange as they get older, if they're at a bar and someone's making them feel uncomfortable, I think it's a lot easier to say no or stop than to go, right? Like do all the weird sounds. So I think when we add more fun into our lives, like that's the whole thing with like a growth mindset, right? You want to do it. You are, you have the you have the belief that you can learn something and that you can get better and that you, so you enjoy the process more because it's not so frustrating because instead of failing, you're just learning. And I think that that is what we need to shift gears towards. You really need to make communication more fun. We need to make learning more fun. And if there's ways that making weird fart noises and silly sounds will help, well then by gone, I'll do it, you know? So what that you, you talked a little bit about certain things that you like to do. What's what's the next thing that you see? I was asking about the industry about for Kayla. What's next? 
for me. Um, well, for me, I definitely have been working really hard with the education program. My goal is to have beatboxing in every school in the country because it is an American art form. And for people to really know the history of beatboxing, these people like, you know, Dougie Fresh, Buffy, Razelle, Kenny Muhammad, these people who paved the way for us. Um, in terms of education, that's what I want. I want every kid to be able to have this gift of beatboxing. Um, personally and performance wise, now I am really stepping into the beatboxing and theater world, me and my partner. I've been making a lot of music and we really want to create a show that shows just the full power of what human beings can do on stage. Music, beatboxing, storytelling, really, really connect the dots and, you know, show the world that what humans can do and what our creative power can accomplish. I like the shout out there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is where we get to, I have nine rapid fire questions. Boom. So I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Yo, 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 we get there. Perfect. Um, is it better to be a planner or a doer? Doer, a hundred percent. Should stories always have a happy ending? No, that's not real. Do you have a favorite emoji? Um, 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 the dine, I mean, the dragon head on the plate. Um, if you had to sing a karaoke, this might be tough. If you had to sing a karaoke song, what's one, what's your go-to? Oh, every single time living on a prayer. What's your favorite social media platform? Uh, Instagram. Can you name a book that kind of left a lasting impression on you? Mm, yeah. Um, John Livingston Siegel. That was a great book. I highly re recommend it. Can you name a favorite movie? Emperor's New Groove. You throw off my groove. Best movie in the whole world. What's one thing you can't live without? Mm, definitely music. Every day. I'm listening to it. I'm beatboxing. I'm humming all everywhere. I feel bad for my roommates always. <laughs> and if you could be credited with inventing something, what would it be and why? Ooh, a high five that when you high five the other person, you can read their mind just for a second. <laughs> like a superpower. Yeah, I'll get there. I'm still inventing it, but eventually that will be my legacy. Kayla, this has been amazing and I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to kind of promote that's going on for you or, or, or that you want people to kind of know about? Uh, yeah, you know, things in my world, always changing, traveling, you know, when we can travel again, always traveling around the world, performing, teaching. So if you want to learn more, you can go to KaylaMalady.com. And if you want to learn more about the education work that we're doing or beatboxing and speech therapy, you can go to the AcademyOfNoise.com. Awesome. We'll make sure we have those in the show notes. Uh, Kayla, again, uh, as, as a fan of beatbox, this has been a, a real treat for me. Uh, and I want to thank you for sharing your story so openly, authentically. And I want to thank you for helping us connect the dots. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.